Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Please join me in welcoming our television and webcast viewers. My name is Fred Mifflin, president of the Canadian Club of Toronto. Viewers, we're very pleased that you are participating with us today as we launch our exciting 120th season. For 12 decades, the Canadian Club has been proud to provide a forum for leaders in every aspect of society to share their ideas with us and to challenge our thinking. We are committed to providing a welcoming venue for discussion and debate on issues that impact our lives. Through our programs and activities, we offer access to dynamic business, political, and public figures from around the world, like today's guest, Guy Lawrence. Before I formally introduce Guy, here's a snapshot of some of our upcoming events. Next Tuesday, we welcome Conservative Party leadership candidate, the Honorable Maxime Bernier, to our podium to outline a series of fiscal and spending reforms to make Canada a haven for investors and entrepreneurs. And on Thursday, September 22nd, we'll be offering the third installment of our Canada 150 series. A panel of distinguished current and former CEOs will address sustainability as an innovation platform. To order your tickets or to learn more about the club, please visit our website at canadianclub.org. You can also follow the conversation via Twitter and Instagram by following us at CDNCLUBTO. I want to express, express special thanks to today's event sponsors, Blue Ant Media and EY. Thank you for your generous support in making today's event possible. I'd also like to recognize the youth and young leaders who are with us today from the University of Toronto, Seneca College, Ryerson University, and Civic Action Diversity Fellows, sponsored by the Carpenters District Council of Ontario and Rogers Communications. Welcome and thank you for joining us. And now our guest speaker. We're living in unstable times. According to a recent Globe and Mail report, global growth is weak, a trend that may continue with Brexit, growing trade protectionism, and the outcome of the U.S. election. Oil prices are low and corporate profits appear flat. Jittery markets are making everyone nervous, analysts, investors, and consumers. So, is it time for Canada? Our country appears stable and strong compared to the world around us. Today's guest speaker believes it is Canada's time. He's here to provide context and outline our opportunity on the world stage. Guy Lawrence, President and Chief Executive Officer of Rogers, has more than 30 years of global experience in telecommunications, media, and pay television. For almost three years, he's headed one of Canada's media and telecommunications powerhouses. Rogers has more than nine million customers. It's home to some of the nation's most recognized brands, McLean's, Chatelaine, and the Blue Jays among them. Mr. Lawrence came to, Vodaf uh, came to Rogers from Vodafone UK, where he served as chief executive officer of the $11 billion fixed 
and mobile company. He's also held senior roles in international media companies like MGM Studios, United Cinemas, and Chrysalis Records. Over his career, he's built a strong reputation for making decisive decisions in complex, capital-intensive environments. He also believes that organizations should actively engage with the communities in which they operate. Rogers has an established reputation in corporate social responsibility. And now we're happy to have him speak to us about what the global markets mean for Canada. Mr. Lawrence, the Canadian Club of Toronto's podium is yours. Well, thank you. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. First, uh, I'm honoured to speak at the Canadian Club, especially being a new Canadian, one who only got his permanent residency two weeks ago. I've actually lived here nearly uh, three years now. I bought a house. Uh, my wife is doing an MA at the UF of, uh, UFT. Uh, and I've even got used to having raccoons in my backyard. <laughs> I've traveled across the country many times as president of Rogers, and I've spoken and met literally thousands of Canadians in the past three years. Despite the cold, I've learned that Canadians are indeed very warm. But probably the most important thing I've learned is that the world's perceptions of Canada don't match reality. I've gotten to know and love this country. I want the world to see what I see and for Canada to reap the rewards that come with it. And that's really the point of my speech today. Now forgive me, I know that you are a nice, polite group of people and that you don't like to wrap yourself in the flag or be too boastful. I admire your quiet patriotism, but I think it's time for Canada to step out of the shadows and into the light of the world stage. I've just come back from the UK, and the mood there is decidedly more somber. People are still shocked by the outcome of Brexit, the resignation of David Cameron, and the virtual collapse of every political party. Across Europe, the mood is also somber. France, Germany, and Switzerland have all had to deal with major terrorist attacks. And of course, there's the migrant issue. Last year, over a million migrants and refugees landed in Europe in the space of one year. At the same time, there's much debate about the economy and the membership of the EU. Returning here, south of the border, it's not exactly brilliant either. It's not just the looming US election, and I think that might even trump Britain's problems. <laughs> It's also the, the mindless gun violence, the mass shootings, the police shootings. You know, it's estimated that this year there'll probably be 100, uh, sorry, 10,000 gun murders in the US. Compare that to roughly 160 gun deaths in Canada every year. Whilst there's 10 times more people, there's 60 times more deaths stateside. Plus it's the fear of terrorism, the fear of the Zika virus, 
I could go on. So what about Canada? Yes, Canada has its fair share of issues, and we shouldn't belittle them, but they are significantly less than other countries. So let's just put them aside for one minute and concentrate on the positives. To start with, there's peace at every border. There's world-class education and health care. Canada ranked sixth in the world in the United Nations report on happiness. I know what you're thinking. How do I get a job at the UN ranking countries based on happiness? <laughs> There's also a stable economy, and it's effective. Just look at how Canada weathered the economic meltdown eight years ago. It kind of nicely proves my point. There's also world-class communication networks, not the patchy Swiss cheese networks that exist in many parts of the world. I have lived all over the world, and I can assure you that Canadian networks are world-class, and that's because companies like my own have invested billions to connect Canadians. Canada also sets the gold standard for diversity and inclusiveness. On top of that, there's a new government led by a visible, visible socially conscious prime minister a Prime Minister who's looking to build a positive brand for Canada all around the world. Even if that takes a bunch of accidentless shirtless photographs. <laughs> Something, by the way, I won't be emulating in my own PR. <laughs> yes, Canada has always been respected and admired. The, people, the country is beautiful, the people are friendly, its cities are safe. But I don't think it's ever stood out quite like it does now. So amongst all the chaos outside its borders, which is at an all-time high, I believe it is time for Canada. But this isn't just about tourism or waving the flag. It's about building a brand. Now allow me to be an outspoken outsider, sort of like a house guest who complains about your tea selection. <laughs> Canada has two problems when it comes to its brand. Firstly, its brand is not well defined in the world. It's just not clear. In my experience, Canada is most often defined by what it's not, and that's America. Secondly, Canada could be a lot more ambitious about promoting its brand and reaping the economic and social benefits that come with it. So Canada has a unique once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to define itself beyond just mountains, maple syrup, and mounties. It's an interesting question. What makes a country's moment? I was in the UK the last time it faced this issue. The solution was branded Cool Britannia. In the 1990s, we had a new Labour government led by Tony Blair, youngest Prime Minister in almost two centuries. Remind you of anyone? London was reasserting itself as a global financial centre. It, it was a stable place to invest in things like real estate. Remind you of anywhere? But perhaps most importantly, there was a cultural renaissance in the UK even now, we remember Cool Britannia mostly for the media and entertainment personalities, the artists, the actors, the writers, the singers, the fashion idols, and the brands who defined the 90s. There was the Spice Girls and Oasis. There was 
Alexander McQueen and Kate Moss, David Beckham, Naomi Campbell and Hugh Grant, the list goes on. All of them were international superstars and unmistakably British. All of them wrapped themselves proudly in the British brand, some of them quite literally. You may remember Jerry Halliwell in that Union Jack dress and Noel Gallagher with his Union flag guitar. But it wasn't just about icons. It wasn't just about waving a flag. It was about creating an overall brand, a brand under which all things cool and British could live. I was working there in the media business whilst all this was happening. It was a great time to be in Britain. And the momentum begun in those years carries on till this day. I see the same opportunity here in Canada right now, right now. I don't know what the Canadian equivalent of Cool Britannia is, maybe Cool Canadiana, um, but you shouldn't have an Englishman define your national brand. The last time we did that, we ended up with I'm a Lumberjack by Monty Python. <laughs> If there was ever a time for Canada to wrap its arms around its cultural icons and support them to, to leverage, to help build a brand for a nation, it's now. And I mean right now. Canada might be small, but it's mighty. And let me prove that to you. Take the music scene. Last winter, seven of the top ten songs in the Billboard 100 were Canadian. And the most streamed album of 2015 wasn't Beyonce, Taylor Swift or Adele. It was Beauty Behind the Madness by The Weeknd. This summer, four out of the top ten songs on Spotify's global playlist featured Canadians. That's the most of any country outside the US. And we can't forget Justin Bieber. <laughs> Whilst he's only 22 and still acting like it, He's now in the midst of one of the most successful international tours by any recording artist ever. It's even more impressive when you put these figures into context. There's over 35 million Canadians and 320 million Americans. You don't have to see, be a mathematician to see that Canada punches above its weight class in music. But it's not just music. There's video too. Canadian stars such as Rachel Adams, Ryan Gosling and Ryan Reynolds are so ingrained in Hollywood that they are no longer that Canadian actor anymore. The Ontario production, film production industry has had a killer year with productions delivering one and a half billion to the provincial economy. In total, 55 movies were made here last year and one of them, Spotlight, won an Oscar. Meanwhile, Vancouver had a record year producing 353 films and TV shows. And two of them, the top US films, were Suicide Squad and Sausage Party. They were produced in Vancouver. I'm not sure what it says about Vancouver, though. There's also Vice, born out of Montreal. It runs in 30 countries around the world with 340 million viewers. My company has a joint venture with Vice, building a studio in downtown Toronto whilst exporting the Canadian-made content around the world. It's also about publishing. Two Canadian authors, Madeleine Tien and David Zuloy, I hope I pronounced that correctly, 
are amongst the six nominees for this year's Man Booker Prize. And Textier, one of the first digital magazine platforms in the world, features Canadian magazines like Maclean's and Today's Parents. No other non-US brands stand beside the likes of Vogue and People. Speaking of Today's Parent, by the way, a magazine published by my company, 40% of its web traffic comes from the US. Not bad, given we don't advertise or promote it in America. There's also the gaming industry. Over 20,000 people now work in Canada's gaming industry, making it the third largest in the world. There are now about 470 studios operating in the country. 85% of them are Canadian-owned. So whilst we've all been chilling at the cottage, sipping our steam whistle, Canada's actually become one of the world's most important cultural powerhouses. There are now more than a million jobs in the Canadian cultural industry, and over 260,000 are related to film and TV production alone. Earlier this year, the OECD released some data ranking countries by the value of their cultural production. Canada ranked eighth in the world. That might not sound like much, but when you look at cultural production on a per capita basis, Canada shoots up to fourth, and it gets better. Canada is actually virtually tied with Germany, which is in third, and not be far behind the UK, which is actually slipping. So close to being the second largest cultural producer in the world, just inches away from the number one spot. Beyond a branding exercise, you're probably wondering why all of this matters. It matters because Canada's missing out. It's missing out on reaping the benefits of selling its cultural products to a global market. Let's look at the UK again. They export $21 billion of cultural goods each year. Canada exports $2 billion. That's 20 to 2. If you were at a ball game, you would have walked out of the stadium by now. I'll save you the Google search. The UK has 1.8 times more people than Canada. So a sizable advantage, but not 10 times the advantage. And the gap between the two countries has doubled and is widening. This gap lays out the challenge, but more importantly, it lays out the opportunity for Canada's cultural sector. Let's use the opportunity in video as an example, one of the fastest changing sectors of the cultural economy. Online services like Netflix and YouTube have created global channels of video distribution whilst expanding the number of programs available to viewers. Some people in the conventional TV and cable business fear this development. They see it as dog-eat-dog, zero-sum game. It's not. Here are some results from a Boston consulting study into the impact of online media in markets around the world. The study shows that online services are not cannibalizing traditional TV production dollars. They're making a half a trillion dollar global industry bigger. Content consumption and creation is both up. There's actually an extra 25 billion available in the global video ecosystem. The study also shows that Canada is losing out when it comes to selling its content abroad. 
UK TV creators are getting four times the income from foreign sources versus Canadian creators. But that doesn't mean there isn't demand for Canadian content. There is. The study clearly shows that investment in Canadian productions is growing at a rate of about 14%. So there's potential for so much more if we can build Canada's brand. And there are some great examples of Canadians doing well on digital platforms. I don't know whether you know Lily Singh, better known as Superwoman. She has roughly 10 million subscribers to her comedic YouTube channel. And her videos have been watched more than 1.4 billion times. She's even made the Forbes top 10 list of YouTube stars in the world. Her story shows that there's appetite for Canadian talent outside of Canada. So it's time for Canada to enjoy it, embrace it, and most of all, capitalize on it. Not just for the sake of the cultural sector, but also for the whole nation. In case you haven't figured it out, I'm a brand guy. I believe in strong brands. And I believe a strong brand can do as much for a country as it can for a company. But you can't just leave it all to Ryan Reynolds and Rachel McAdams. You know, there has to be a role for policy too. Canada hasn't made a change to its cultural policy in 25 years. 1991. One of the top rated TV shows that year was the last season of Dallas. Did you know that J.R. Ewing went on to mentor Donald Trump? <laughs> Sorry, I digress. The focus of Canada's cultural policy has been on the domestic scene, telling Canadian stories to Canadians whilst protecting itself from Americans. That's meant protecting and nurturing Canadian talent through the content quotas and subsidies we have today. This made sense in the early stages of Canada's cultural development. But it's 2016. We live in a global content market. There are over a billion content creators in the world now. And cultural industries are measured in trillions, not millions or billions of dollars. It's time to stop being defensive. It's time to start being offensive. To be clear, I mean going on the offense not being offensive, because I know you Canadians wouldn't do that. <laughs> Canada needs to rid itself of the idea that it can't compete globally, and somehow you're going to be overshadowed by the Americans. I have to say it's good to see that the new government appreciates this opportunity. Melanie Jolie, the Minister of Heritage, has shared an outward vision for Canada's cultural policy. And it's clear that the Prime Minister, Trudeau, is determined to raise Canada's profile globally. They recognise the value of a strong Canadian brand, the role of culture in building it, and the payback for trade, tourism, and many other parts of the economy. Through trade, policy, and diplomacy, the government can do this. They can sell Canadian content around the world. And they need to enlist Canadian talent as brand ambassadors. Leading media companies, like Rogers, also have a role to play. 
So we look forward to participating in the upcoming consultation by the Minister. I'm glad to see that her consultation papers is focused on promoting content, Canadian content globally. And if it's not clear from my remarks today, we fully support a funding model that exploits this huge opportunity. You know, we're asking the government to recognize that there's already enough money in the system. We don't need more funds. We need to consolidate the alphabet super funds that we have and reduce the complexity in the bureaucracy. We're asking for content to be funded on a platform neutral basis, for content to be created for all distribution platforms, whether it's a TV screen, a movie screen, or a smartphone screen. Consumers are going digital. Rogers is going digital. Canada needs to go digital. Content should end up anywhere and everywhere it makes sense. The government should cultivate a creative identity that the cultural sector, the government and diplomats can sell. It should redirect its focus from selling Canadian content to Canadians to selling Canadian content to the world. We think there's a huge opportunity for the government and the Prime Minister to leverage their fresh appeal and launch a clear brand for Canada. Canadian companies can support this movement at Rogers, we can amplify this brand through the 580 million we spend on Canadian content and use it to open up new conversations with international distribution channels. When Canadian content gets out there, the world laps it up. It wants more Canada. Canada can and should take advantage of this once in a lifetime opportunity. Whilst the rest of the world deals with its challenges, there's never been a better time for Canada to define its standing on the world stage. And once the country's brand has been defined, there's more than enough talent to carry the message forward. Trust me, Drake can do it, help Canada promote more than the Raptors. And this will mean more jobs, more tourism, more export dollars. It's time for Canada. Thank you. Thank you, Guy. My name is Michael McMillan. I'm one of the past presidents of the Canadian Club of Toronto. Guy, thanks very much for kicking off our 2016-2017 our season. Uh, we greatly appreciate you coming and speaking to us. We know, as you told me before lunch, this is only the second time you've given a, a speech to this kind of audience uh, since arriving here three years ago. So we're grateful uh, that you came here today and spoke to us. We're grateful to see that you've received your permanent residency, so you'll be staying here for a while. That's terrific. And also, uh, we in Canada, and we at the Canadian Club, love to hear optimism. You are channeling Sir Wilfrid Laurier in your speech. You're a century later, and you're probably right on time, so we appreciate the sentiments. And the, the spirit of, of hope and not fear, the idea of optimism, the idea of mutual accommodation, are things that are no doubt not only good for Canadian creators and audiences, but they're also good for Canada overall. 
And they're also the same kind of spirit that we all need to bear in mind when we make other choices in our lives, as you mentioned at the beginning of your remarks, uh, because the choices we make together matter a lot. Witness Brexit, witness all the other challenges we have. So next year is 2017. It's our sesquicentennial. Wilfred Laurier would be proud. Thank you for speaking to us with such optimism. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. Um, I, too, would like to add my appreciation and thank Guy for joining us today and for a, a very powerful and, and encouraging message. And also thanks to Blue Ant Media and EY for your support uh, today. Uh, before I adjourn the meeting, I'm now going to draw for our subscribers' prize. Congratulations, Virginia Ludi. You can collect your prize at the registration desk uh, as you leave. This concludes our program today, which will be broadcast on Rogers TV in the days to come. And uh, we are very grateful to Rogers TV and 680 News for their continuing promotion of Canadian club events. We'd also like to thank MediaEvents.ca, Canada's online event space, and VVC for live streaming today's events. To learn more about the club, please visit us at canadianclub.org. Thanks for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you again at one of our events in the future. Have a great afternoon.